sorry for having you waiting. Good afternoon. I am Koyo Kuo. I'm the curator of the conversations at 154. It's wonderful to have such a great turn audience uh, on Sunday afternoon. And I'm very happy to introduce this panel. We've been discussing over the last three days, and we have discussed a whole range of uh, topics and uh, even issues pertaining to uh, African diasporic artistic practices. So today we'll look at the body in abstraction and uh, it's a conversation led by uh, Nicola Vassell with uh, artist Chabalala Self here and Marsha Kure and Derek Adams. And they will discuss strategies of collage and new media abstraction both online and offline in representing blackness looking to their respective practices. The dialogue considers also how revisiting modernist and conceptual traditions of collage and disassembly make possible new aesthetics forms in an area of viral imaging. Um, Nicolas Vassell, the moderator, is an independent curator and founder of Concept NV, an art ideas lab specialized in development of fine art projects that articulate cultural and social phenomena. Vassell is also curatorial director of No Commission and, at the, and the Dean Collection. Her past exhibition projects include No Commission in Miami, New York, London, and Shanghai, Age of Chaos at the 2015 by, uh, Venice Biennial, and Black Eye at Concept NV. Prior to founding Concept NV, Nicola was director at Pace Gallery and Deitch Project New York. Derek was born in, Phila in Baltimore. Oh, I wanted to make you a Philadelphia born. <laughs> Sorry. Derek was born in Baltimore and lives and works in Brooklyn. He received an MFA from Columbia University and his BFA from Pratt Institute. Derek has exhibited extensively nationally and internationally, and recent solo exhibitions include Patrick Kelly, The Journey, and In Harlem, project presented by the Studio Museum in Harlem, on at Pioneer Works, and Crossroad, a social sculpture at Benny's Center for Contemporary Art in Omaha. He has performed at MoMA PS1, Performer, and Brooklyn Museum, among many other venues. Chabalala Self lives and works between New York and New Haven. Her work builds a singular style from the syncretic use of both painting and printmaking to explore ideas of the black female body. Self constructs exaggerated depictions of female bodies using a combination of soon, printed and painted materials, traversing different artistic and craft traditions. Recent exhibitions include Good Feelings at Thierry Goldberg Gallery in New York and the solo exhibition at Parasol Unit Foundation for Contemporary Art in London. Deploying techniques of appropriation and photo collage Marsha Kure investigates a range of material, fashion magazines, classic literature, African masks, and children's toys to reimagine new subjectivities and modes of being. Her work has been exhibited widely, including Body Talk, Feminism, Sexuality, and the Body in the work of six African women at Vils in uh, 
Brussels. I created that show. And uh, the Dakar Biennial of African Contemporary Art, Palais de Tokyo, and Kunstler House, Britannian. Please welcome this wonderful panel. Thank you. Is this working? Hello, everyone. Welcome to 154 Contemporary Art Fair. It's uh, wonderful to be here with this esteemed panel of artists. I want to thank uh, Koyo, Gabriella, Turia for having us here uh, to have this discussion today. And thank you for all coming down on a Sunday afternoon to uh, listen to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right? It's been a long week, I know, for everyone. Um, so, you know, today we're going to uh, talk a bit about, uh, oh, <laughs> damn, yeah. Sorry, guys, that's my desktop. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to go into the history here. that right? Okay, cool. Um, right. So, okay. So, we're going to talk a little bit, a bit about the, uh, you know, collage and its relationship with the body, the black body specifically, and the utility of abstraction within it. I thought perhaps we could start um, by talking about the sort of history of collage, the fundamentals of, of the technique. It's a, a rich artistic history but also its claim as being inextricably linked to socio-political socio uh, realities. Um, so when I think about collage, I think uh, that it's the art-making method of disruption in many ways. When you consider its beginnings with Picasso and uh, Braque, you, uh, during the synthetic Cubism period, it was used as a means of exploring paintings three-dimensional three-dimensionality while admitting to the flatness of the canvas, right? It flouted a few hundred years of the tradition in painting to maintain the illusion of three-dimensionality. So they were the starting point of exploring the formal infinitude of the technique. Um, then the tradition fell into the hands of the Dadaists, most interestingly, the Berlin Dadaists, uh, uh, like Hannah Hoch, who used it to explore uh, prescient themes of the interworld war period, feminist discourse, early feminist discourse, activism. Uh, then we had, of course, uh, these are examples of Hannah's work here up on the uh, slide show. Then we had John Hartfield, who, uh, you know, really was anti-fascist, anti-Nazi sentiment, and did a lot of mass consumption work through magazines in Berlin at the time. Um, further down the timeline in the 50s and 60s, of course, we had the great Romare Bearden, more of um, Hartfield's work here. Um, who sort of begins to describe the narrative of the black body um, and the culture of the black community, the necessity for unity, and of course, the catastrophe of um, segregation and um, 
societal division discrimination. So we have here beautiful scenes which are reminiscent of you <laughs> yeah. know, all the work <laughs> yeah. that uh, you guys investigate. Then, of course, we come into the period with Rauschenberg, where he was exploring the sort of high-low rhetoric, um, kitsch, fine art, the dawn of mass con consumption and hyper-capitalistic tendencies. So he also extended the formality by conjoining what we consider sort of urban detritus and appropriated photographs and painting to create these really bizarre, beautiful sculptures known as combines. Then we're going to zoom forward to a continuation of the sort of the black body stereotypes, advertising, uh, feminine <coughs> tropes with the likes of Ellen Gallagher, who really sort of dismantled the notion of advertising and how it was received by the, 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 the black audience, specifically the black female audience, and uh, you know, who, who was telling our stories and, and you know, what were we expected to be based on uh, that delivery. Mm -hmm. um, then we, of course, there's Lorna Simpson who was similarly exploring, there is Lorna Simpson similarly exploring the notion of black identity, the body, how it plays out in social hierarchies and, uh, you know, her really beautiful watercolors, the use of material conflict, and of course, Wangechi Mutu, who talks a bit about bio-fetishism and the black body and uh, the African narrative, the African angle. Uh, and then we have sort of bringing in the new age, the dawn of technology, artists like Jacoby Satterwhite, uh, you know, who is exploring advanced digital technology and gender sexuality. And Sandra Perry, who was here yesterday, also looking at uh, the black body and identity through new media. So I want to start with you guys on the... Um, notion of collage, simply. Collage is derived from the French word glue. Uh, the very act of cutting and pasting has energetically assertive overtones. Uh, I want to think of collage as the disruptive glue and explore the notion of this connective tissue in art making, perhaps in its metaphorical social application, um, but also its literal formal proportions. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you fuse thoughts and ideas, images, and found material to produce visual cacophony, but in your very individualized lyrical ways? Derek, I want to start uh, with you. Um, for me, uh, looking at collage and looking at the history of collage, I always felt like collage work, starting from <clears throat> cubism and a lot of other things attached to collage, was the intro um, for Western culture to understand the way that the African uh, aesthetic was uh, employed in just basic uh, customary um, 
formal structure within sculpture and a lot of other things that really express the black imagination. And I think in relationship to Western culture, which was about um, the realistic, um, it, I think it helped Western culture to kind of imagine the body in a fragmented state. And with that fragmentation created an understanding of um, social um, significance and, and, and other, other iconic symbolism with um, distorting the body and uh, juxtaposing um, scales of uh, the proportions of bodies together was to me very close to um, a custom that was practiced um, before um, the actual physical collage um, category um, was formed. And looking at like a beard and um, using collage um, with both formal and conceptual and, and content attached to the body, um, I saw it as, as, for me, very liberating um, because I started to see the idea of uh, race and, and gender and culture being used as an ingredient within the structure of art, more than the idea of race being the majority platform for making art. Because it's very different looking at uh, a perspective of uh, collage um, that incorporate the, the black body than the idea of the attached narrative mm. from someone like Bearden who understands the way that the symbolism of the hand gesture means or the symbolism of the caress of the, of the female figure and the male figure or vice versa. It, it definitely um, opened up a conversation about meaning, mm. meaning um, beyond the idea of formal execution because I think the intention for the most part, for the modernists, we're thinking about the forms and the forms kind of colliding together. Mm -hmm. And um, the practice of collage um, kind of seeping in more into more communist um, art movements. Um, I think people start to realize the political narrative attached to the body and attached to juxtaposing objects together um, to make new meaning uh, for certain things. But I think it was really more about people understanding the, uh, the, the power of ingredients. Mm -hmm more so the power than the power of um, individual objects. Right. They started to think about how, how much, what if you, what happened if you put this next to this? Mm -hmm. You know, seeing that um, in some earlier work, seeing the, the African sculptures on the European um, bodies and European objects um, definitely created a certain tension just with imagery. And I think that's the first time when people start realizing that iconography mm. is, is, is narrative you know, without attaching a linear structure, just putting things together, they both carry their own history. Mm -hmm. you, um, and for me, uh, as an artist, I became really interested in that idea of collage, um, not for the, for the material culture of it, but the more of the symbolic nature of images um, and how the absurdity of, of, um, of space and meaning and all these things can kind of occupy this one flat surface. Mm -hmm. Do you want to pick up and tell us a little bit about your uh, thinking around uh, the history of collage, its disruptive force, how that plays into your work, and uh, you know the implications metaphorically and literally? Um, well, I've always been interested in collage because um, you have the, the ability to build something. Um, and because my work deals a lot with, um, my work is, deals primarily with figuration especially like the um, 
like as Derek was mentioning, iconography as, re as it relates to like the black female body in particular, the idea of a construct, like a social construct, this like imagined, this, like, this body that's been imagined collectively that exists out in the world. Um, I felt like if I could create my own, if I can build my own bodies, then I could create a, um, a force or another imaginary body that could exist in similar intellectual spaces and kind of contend with this other, um, the other collective like persona or stereotype mm -hmm. that um, is kind of this avatar for this ubiquitous black female body. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had the ability to create my own, um, it would be one that I think was more sincere or spoke to like, a greater truth. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of using collage because I was able to bring different scraps, different materials from a variety of different places, both personal, both um, things that exist in the real world in the commercial sense, like fabrics I purchased, mm -hmm. and also things that were kind of self-reflexive in regard to like them being studio debris or things that came out of my own university creation. And with all these different like disparate elements, I can create kind of um, a new figure, a figure that was like better and stronger than me, and also maybe one that was better and stronger than the other figures that were kind of pieced piece together out there in the world as well. So. I always think about like, when I think about like the significance of collage in my practice, like the story of like Frankenstein comes to mind a lot. Not so much because I think that the figures I'm creating are grotesque in any kind of way, but just the desire of um, the scientists in that, in that um, novel to create, to create a figure that was part of him by the same time better and stronger. Mm -hmm. But just, but a lot of times in trying to create something like that, when that, that being or that object or that, that person goes out into the world, they, they start to have their own, their own set of dilemmas that are outside of anything you could have maybe imagined. So I think that story is very interesting in regards to people like, like artists that use collage in their studio. Um, but for me, it was just really having like the ability to like build something, to cre create something new. But I, I also look at collage more, despite like the, um, the, the former elements of cutting and like having to destroy objects to make new ones, there's a certain, I don't think, I don't look at it so much as always destructive. Sometimes I look at it as kind of like a cathartic action, mm -hmm. like trying to piece something back together that was mm -hmm. ripped apart. So in that way, I feel like I have a little bit more of a, like an optimist, like I, my wording for it is like more, more of like optimistic idea around like, like the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that it's, um, it's like a utilitarian purpose in my studio because I'm doing a lot of recycling and nothing's ever, there's never any lost time, there's never a lost idea, but, um, it's also, it's a very like, generative process, I feel like. Because mm -hmm. when you're building an object, it can always continue to grow. There's never, I f and also that there's a certain um, amount of implied movement. A lot of times I feel like in like an all collage work, because they kind of the way that the pieces and figures are hinged together, it might bring to mind the idea of a puppet or some kind of like gadget that could move. And the idea of implied movement, the idea of growth, of seaming together, building, quilting, um, I think all of those um, ideas, especially within like a, a black aesthetic or um, a black cultural narrative is one that speaks to like healing and catharsis. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, how about telling us your perspective, <laughs> Kevin? Yeah, yeah Kevin, for me, yeah. Um, for me um, the idea of collage, um, I think it developed from just the notion of a dismembered body. Somebody that was, um, or some 
kind of experience of being everywhere and nowhere at the same place at the same time. It was more about my, um, of course, my journey from Europe, America, Nigeria. And um, I felt as if there were parts of me in all these places and all these experiences. Felt like um, being gathered into one place to create this whole new experience. Mm -hmm. Even thinking about collage in terms of um, quilt making or in terms of um, each piece being important, being placed by the next piece. And the, the next piece makes the other piece as relevant as the one next to it. Mm -hmm. Not, uh, there's nothing that is, um, should I say, um, irrelevant when you mm. think about like putting like a collage together. Each piece holds its own place while still um, giving relevance to the ones around it. When you think about that in terms of metaphor, about the human experience, it kind of um, forces you to create some um, kind of understanding of a new balance or a new um, form of equality and understanding between different um, people, the different pieces. The um, idea of a dismembered body is also uh, put back together by way of stitching or by way of gluing or by way of um, almost forcing these pieces to agree with each other, even if they're desperate pieces, even if they're like apart from each other, but they're forced kind of to be in the same space. And somehow they now begin to make sense because they're in the same space, even if you think that they're supposed to be different. For me, growing up in Nigeria, especially in my hometown, where there were quite a lot of riots, and even up till today, a lot of riots and um, people still being killed or kidnapped. When you think about that in terms of um, trauma or in, t in terms of um, 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 memory, what the, the body remembers when it goes through this. You, you, um, the, the, the pieces become vestiges, they become holders of memory, they, becomes, they become holders of this place. Mm -hmm. So it's um, speaking about, yes, a social context, but there's also some kind of, um, I see myself sometimes as a, um, um, someone who is trying to make things right, like a needlewoman, mm -hmm. as, you, as someone who, um, as I stitch, I'm healing. As mm -hmm. I stitch, I'm like making it whole again. So I've, for me, that's um, my own idea of collage. That's really interesting, because for all of you, there's some kind of journey involved, um, you know. There is this notion of dismemberment, healing. There is this notion of sort of like a positivity and casting a whole new um, reverberation of a, a negative into positive territory. And Derek, I, I want to jump in and talk a little bit about, about your journey, which has been varied <laughs> and uh, very exciting. Yeah. And yeah. you've showed us 
all what multiplicity is all about, from performance <laughs> to music to painting. And, you know, and of course, the collage is your most recent foray. Mm -hmm. um, the black body has always been your playground. Yeah. Uh, but can you describe why collage at this particular time in your artistic timeline is integral to telling oh. the stories that you want to tell? And, um, and how it compares, in a sense, to your other modes of artistic practice historically. And while you talk, I'll pull up okay. some examples okay. of. Um, well, I started working with collage maybe about eight years ago, nine years, no, maybe, no, longer than that, actually, since, gra since grad school, like, 01, 02, I've made uh, several different bodies of work that include collage, and one thing that was made me very hesitant about making collage in the beginning of the time of making collage, and the reason why I make a lot of things, like, if I look around um, and look at what's happening in the world within my uh, creative world, creative community, mm -hmm. and... Um, and I, to, I start to notice certain elements of things that I um, feel I could add to conversation um, through my practice. Um, that's how I started making collage work because I was looking around and looking at uh, the collage works of my peers and other artists. And, um, and I realized that um, what I was always interested, interested in as an artist was sculptural objects things are related to three-dimensionality and the whole idea of a collapse of space and distance. Um, and I realized that I could do this with collage. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started working, I was, I was doing a residency in Miami and, um, and I was making sculpture before that in performance. And I knew I couldn't really make a sculpture in the space that I was using. So I started to go to the dollar stores um, in Miami and started working on these uh, collages. Because what I could do, you know, I had very limited space and finances, and I started working on things that I knew I could do. And I thought about sculpture when I was making the collage. Even then, I was thinking about how to make something look sculptural. And I started making these series of large heads mm -hmm. out of wood grain printed contact paper. And that was the beginning of the series that uh, most people know for the deconstruction worker mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. Because I, I realized, like uh, Tashabla was saying, that it be you become like this kind of like construction worker in sorts as you're making things as an artist because collage I think is one of the practices of art making where you really feel the physical act of putting things together and your mind is constantly being challenged when you're arranging things on a two-dimensional surface because sometimes you may not necessarily um, even see the absurd geometry and the perspective and all the different things are happening in the work as you're putting together. You come back the next day and you're like, you see another space that's been formed from putting these two things together. Mm -hmm. And so I started to look at, look at collage as being like therapeutic mm -hmm. process for all the other things I was making, like the performance things. Mm -hmm. I think everything I do is like a collage, like mm -hmm. the video, the sculpture, everything has like all these different things of, of merging, um, uh, things together, and I was really interested in this relationship to you know to add to the African continent as an, mm -hmm. as an African American artist. I always mm -hmm. felt like it's a, it was a big gap between looking at traditional African sculpture and looking at myself in American culture right now, and all these different things that I I felt was missing in um, in history 
um, that tied these two things together. And I saw artists making reference to these things, but I felt like it was something that was very existential. Mm -hmm. And I think collage has a really, uh, a really strong ability to, to communicate existential um, messages mm -hmm. um, based on um, the viewer's uh, understanding of imagery and symbolism mm -hmm. and so it kind of seeped into from everything from the sculptural objects into the things that are looked at in the collage that also appear as sculptural objects like this particular image here mm -hmm. um, which is a reference to like an architectural space um, familiar to like what I what most um, African Americans um, grew up with uh, and some other people from other Caribbean um, but these are things that are very much rooted uh, as, a, as a signifier of, of, of blacks being, becoming reacquainted with their culture right. in a way through consumer objects. You know, um, this is something that most people in the 70s had in their house mm -hmm. as, um, as an intro to their you know, decor, uh, which were these wooden forks with these uh, African sculptures kind of carved into them. And they're more with, you know, for tourist, tourist reasons, but that was close to um, where people were at that time. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, I'm really interested in kind of just really investigating just the things that appear to be, to, I'm, I'm interested in normalizing things that I think are important for people to look at in a way that's critical, look at it critically now mm -hmm. um, for the way that we've been shaped mentally and spiritually mm -hmm. um, through the things that we've collected and the things that we have adopted as representations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think collage, when you put all the different things together, you can speak to a lot of different people from various cultures, mm -hmm. formally and conceptually, about choices. And choices as a representation of ideas. And it's a good freedom to have with collage because it, it creates a non-linear structure in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And people can kind of dive in from various uh, entry points mm -hmm. to look at the work based on their understanding of the, of the imagery. I'm really interested uh, in this idea of infinitude and collage yeah. because there's literally uh, an unlimited yeah. amount of um, uh, you know material, found yeah. material, material that can be appropriated, discovered, remixed, dismantled, and how do you literally filter? You know, you talk about you know being able to tell uh, multitude of stories and you know ones that speak to familial memory, you know, yeah. uh, different sorts of things. Uh, how do you like really like, sharpen the filtration yeah. process? And at the same time, how do you know when you're done? Well, it's tricky. It's tricky because on Tuesday yeah. may not feel like geometry on Friday. But it's tricky because I think collage is one of those things that you have to be a self editor, you know, and actually one of the reasons why I really hated collage for before I started making collage. Um, one of the reasons why I was so turned off by it is because I, I felt like a lot of work I was looking at from artists were, were, uh, was too ornate. Um, like uh, collage can create a sense of noise mm -hmm. and a noise can actually uh, flatten out the context of the work, which is also another way to look at collage and to think about collage because there's a decorative element in collage that is about um, just material, the materiality mm -hmm. of collage as in just creating shapes and forms and color and stuff like that. But I wanted to use that language to talk about things that were anti-art. Because when I'm making art, I like, I like that people look at my work and see the, 
the, the quality of the image, but it's, it's a way, almost like a quilt, to create like signifiers and certain kind of coding of language um, that is almost like a hieroglyphic, mm. you know? And mm. I think about collage in a way of hieroglyphics in a lot of ways, because you can, you can make a collage and it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people based on the symbolism that occupies the space. Mm -hmm. And that's what, I was, that's what really captivated me about the process of using collage and continues to, to captivate me in my studio when I'm thinking about those things. Amazing. So next, uh, Shavalala, I want to um, talk to you about the energy of collage, in a sense. In reading about your work, seeing your work, a, a lot of uh, discussion about energy uh, comes into play whether it is um, sort of material power or fundamentally configuration and consequent sort of subject interplay, you know, because you really do push more into the figuration aspect and in some cases straddle the abstract line. Um, but most interestingly, there's like an eroticism and uh, I'd read somewhere like a coquetry at play <laughs> in your work. And um, can you talk a bit about the process of designing what uh, Roberta Smith actually described as the psychic connection in your work? And I'll play some of your work. Well, um, the, the way of working that I've kind of landed on now came out of a, a printmaking series I was doing. Um, I started in undergrad. So in undergrad, I was making a series of, of unique model prints that were made from building handmade calligraphic plates. So I would kind of build these plates out of like various materials. Um, so the majority of time that I went into making the prints went into making the plates. So I would maybe spend like quite a bit of time on building these plates and then the plates were brought into the print shop and then very, relatively quickly I would print like a series of model prints um, using them and the plates were movable and they were able to be moved from run to run. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that Working in the print shop for all that time, I think, um, brought a certain level of speed and immediacy to my, mm -hmm. to my like, studio practice. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I moved away from the works on paper. Um, they were becoming, they, they're starting to feel too ephemeral and too light for this to kind of carry the weight of the, sub, of the figures. Mm -hmm. And because at the time, my only, my only means of, of displaying them was like, like, I wasn't able to frame them or anything like that. So, in a, in, a, in a critique space, it, um, it was always a lot of importance put on the materiality of the works and how they, they were moving in the space and, and everything else. It wasn't, ended up being not such a productive conversation. So for a long time, I tried to figure out how to return back to the canvas mm -hmm. and how to keep the same kind of way of working but have it be back on canvas. So eventually, I started to kind of skip the step of going to the shop and just focus on building the plates and eventually the way I built the original calligraphic plates became the way that I formed the figures in the paintings. Mm -hmm. But I still try to kind of keep that sense of immediacy and um, that, that I think the energy comes from the, I think the energy that exists now in the painting is the same energy that existed in the prints and it comes from like the introduction of an element outside myself. So like before I was using the printing press um, that added this kind of level of spontaneity, something I couldn't fully control. It's more like an object I was manipulating, and now with using the sewing machine, I, I think again I have this this other object which is kind of this in between this liaison, this liaison between me and the the material. So mm -hmm. 
because I'm never directly working with the material, and it's also it's kind of it's kind of an artificial hand that I'm that I'm using to make my line or to make a drawn line in the works. I think it kind of adds that, that energy to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, like that's like that's kind of more on the formal end and how the works are made. Mm -hmm. But just um, conceptually, I think I'm always trying to make images that show um, the characters or the, the female figures or the couples um, in mid gesture or, or mid moment. Mm -hmm. um, it's like almost like snapshots, and because they are in the usually in the process of doing something or the process of performing some kind of gesture. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that kind of that implied movement that kind of gives you gives you the sense that there is um, like energy around them. Mm -hmm. I rarely like to pick like a stagnant figure or a figure that's like like posing so much. It's more maybe one that is your so, so the viewer is supposed to have more of the perspective as if they are catching a moment in the figure's lives. And like that also leads that also kind of relates to the kind of voyeuristic aspect of the work as well. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about um, the emotional quotient of the materials. Like, mm -hmm. when you're working with different types of material, what do you find is, um, uh, what are you drawn to? What, what do you find are the most romantic materials? What do you find are the most sort of like, uh, you know, rejecting materials? Which are the mm -hmm. ones that are embracing? Which are the ones that, uh, you know, sort of shut the process down? Can you talk a little bit about that dynamic, like also energetically with the material itself? Well, I like to use materials that um, have been around my studio for a long period of time. So the materials that I'm usually most excited about using are maybe materials that had a, like a previous life in another piece. Mm -hmm. And the piece was, you know, obviously like destroyed. I mean, I was made to, for me to reuse the different parts. Or maybe a fabric that I've had in my life for a long period of time, like an old piece of clothing or something that I've always had around the studio. It's traveled for me from a studio to studio or from residency to residency, but I've never quite... Um, had a particular use for it. The most challenging materials to use are ones sometimes that are, um, so some of my fabrics are found, some of them are from, like my, I have a, a, a large collection of fabrics in my family home, my mother would collect fabrics. Mm -hmm. I have some I purchased, some that are like, not really fabrics, but old scraps from the, from the print shop, from like studio debris from years or whatever. But um, when I buy like a new piece of fabric, a lot of times that's the hardest one to work with. Especially if I don't have any kind of like nostalgic memory about it. If I something I just picked up at Joanne's, opposed to something I, I purchased when I was out of town or something like that. So usually because they're not really inherently in, imbued any kind of significance, mm -hmm. and I have to give it to it, those are usually mm -hmm. sometimes harder to use. Mm -hmm. But um, the things I've I've had around for longer, longest periods of time, or I've I can remember when I what they were first used for, and now their their use has become something different. So the object, the material itself has transformed in some way. Mm -hmm. I feel like that um, those materials are the easiest ones to use. And I feel like I already kind of know where they should be because I have an idea of where they've come from already. I see, I see. So. Wow, that's a really beautiful story. Um, so I want everyone to sort of get a better idea of the color is not great on the uh, slides here. Um, but okay, so Marcia, let's talk a little bit about um, your perspective on things. I, um, you know, there is the notion of the the black female, mm -hmm. and most interestingly, the African female archetype in your work. It's it's central to your work. So this presents many sort of powerful assertions, but also uh, many inherent. 
uh, setback standing on that ground in certainly a male-dominant uh, societal framework. Can you tell us how these dynamics play out in your experience, uh, sort of philosophically, materially? I mean, what are you, you know, when, when you encounter the brutalities, but also the positivities, uh, and then I sort of transmit them by Europe, and then I like, have to interconnect them, uh, connect them with the American narrative. Like, what does that like hold whole world view relative to female, male, African, non-African uh, power, lack of power? You know, that, that whole like set of dichotomies. Um, the way that I um, came into collage actually was um, tr through drawing. I've um, always loved to draw, but um, for some reason I found it, um, when I was working on a particular body of work, um, drawing just uh, kind of became um, insufficient for me to... Um, translate this idea that I was um, thinking about. It was, I was trying to make portraits of myself and speak to um, my post-colonial um, history and the fact that I just moved to the United States and um, the idea of perception. Uh, so I was looking at that point at things that were, uh, that had influenced me while I was growing up in Nigeria and some kind of had a connection with the, with the United States. And for me, that was a uh, rap. Mm. And so <laughs> what I did was um, I started looking at um, um, that kind of imagery, but then looking at it from a point of view of uh, gestural mm -hmm. um, um, kind of poses and uh, the way that the body moved or the way the body responded. That I combined with um, Victorian hit guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, that also spoke to, you know, the um, colonial history of Nigeria. Uh, the background was left blank because I felt as if I was in some kind of limbo joining these two pieces together, these two parts together, also addressed the idea of uh, gender, if you will, because one part was masculine and the other mm -hmm. one was feminine. Um, <coughs> I like the fact that it created uh, some kind of tension or some kind of uneasiness, but um, uh, uh, that was the place that I was at that particular point in time. <coughs> So uh, for me, I continued to look at line and the way that um, uh, the line was both an agreement and disagreement at the same time. Um, uh, the, the, the cut on the piece of paper, it was almost like violence on the, it was like um, trauma, some mark, uh, they were like, um, scripts, should we say, like on the, uh, the, the drawings on the female body. Um, so those became for me some kind of vehicle and the way of entering collage in such a way that um, I felt um, directed my work in a, in a um, 
in, in, a, in a certain way, in a fresh way also, because like I said, there was this focus on the fact that that line that I was creating was a cut as well as a drawing, mm -hmm. but it was made with a pair of scissors. And of course, when you think about that whole action, um, it touched on areas that I was really interested in, even when it comes to like the displaced body or mm -hmm. violence against the female body or uh, the trauma that women bear mm -hmm. or have gone. The, um, the marks were more like um, scarification marks of sorts, the place that holds memory and, um, um, and, and pain. Um, at this point in time, I was also thinking about my mom who um, passed away when she was quite young. She had um, beautiful marks on her face, mm. uh, but those um, markings, she told me um, some stories about how they were made uh, either it was a thorn was just placed, for example, for her nose. Um, for me, that was almost like violence. But then it was a beauty mark at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it held these um, very opposing um, ideas mm -hmm. just on that mark. Um, the drawings that I um, make, they hold some kind of, um, I would say most of the time that I make drawings or most of the time that I make collages, they bear aspects of um, both genders and everything in between. Um, I always felt growing up that I wasn't enough because I was a woman and I was not invited to the table to have conversations because I wasn't a woman. There were just certain things women did not do. I often questioned that and um, really did not have any, I, I, I could not understand why it did not make sense to me. So most of the time that I make collages or I make drawings, they, um, touch on the, 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 the experience that I've had as a woman, but they also touch on the, this new way of looking at, the, at a human being, which is neither male nor female, mm -hmm. but both, but everything in between. And then it forces me to think about this body as a human being first. Because if I'm a human being first, then you will not have a problem with equal pay. Mm -hmm. I will not have a problem being invited to sit on the table because you see me first mm -hmm. as a human being and you want to treat me as a human being. Mm -hmm. So do you, would you say then <laughs> that this aspect of sort of androgyny, the yeah, androgynous yeah. approach mm -hmm. is the healing? Well, it's... Um, I wouldn't say it's a healing, just an, um, an, a way of um, making you look again, yeah. I think. Making, forcing you to look again, because sometimes it, looks, it seems as if we're here, but we're not here. 
it's, it's almost as if we're seen, but we're not actually, we're looking, but we're not actually seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every day, to, to, to be honest with you, I wake up and I, there's some questions that arise in the world today that baffle me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I just don't understand why, if you actually see me as a human being, why that can happen, why it should happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you're, you're thinking about <coughs> the idea of um, going back to um, <coughs> collages, when you remove um, a piece, when you're in the studio and you're like walking and you see something that you like, something that you think would work well with whatever it is that you're making, mm-hmm. you're cutting it from its original background. You're removing it from mm-hmm. that context and placing it into another one mm-hmm. where it's forced to have this conversation with the new pieces or this new experience you want it to have. Mm-hmm. That idea of forced removal, for me, in terms of like movement from Europe or the Nigeria and here in the United States, like migration. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you remove that piece, mm-hmm. place it in another place, and it begins to have new meaning and new context. Mm-hmm. It's almost um, as if the way nature is made to work, nature is meant to work rather, and um, even when you look at the little pieces as they come together to create this whole they are like cells, or they are like um, different parts of the body, really, that come together to make 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 uh, make a whole. So now we don't have that much time, and I have a couple more questions I want to ask. Uh, so we're just going to keep going instead of like quick little rotation here. Um, so, so Oscar Maria Graf uh, once said uh, on Hartfield's work, uh, "Intolerable aspect." of events is the motor of the art. So, you know, we talk, we've talked a lot about the collage uh, technique as role in storytelling, of course, like, you know, sociopolitical, uh, philosophical. I want to talk about, of course, it's the possibilities of mining the most contemporary of stories, simply because that is the nature of of collage and just bring them out for the public. Can you talk about how everything that surrounds us now, specifically the neo-black power movement, the post-Obama era, the Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, how is this informing or challenging you beyond uh, comfortable zones into more super radical territory in your art making? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, my my practice is really is really more rooted in um, shedding light on histories that are overlooked, that deal with accomplishments mm-hmm. and successes. Um, although there's definitely uh, a need to have um, stories about the oppressive structure and colonialism um, as a as a form of inspiration and source material, but I, I think in the world. Um, and mainly for 
the African diaspora, a lot of us don't know a lot of history of successes. Um, if you ask most, um, peop most young people uh, from various races about accomplishments made by African or people of African descent, they probably would not know at all, very little. But they do know atrocities because atrocities are more um, publicized and more um, accessible for information. So my daily uh, motivation is to think about people like my show at Studio Museum um, in conversation with Patrick Kelly mm -hmm. or to make a show that I have coming up with Mad, Mad Museum about the Green Book, which was like the um, black version of the Yellow Pages um, in, the, in the Jim Crow era mm -hmm. or previous exhibitions where I'm really interested in talking about the things that we have accomplished uh, within the obstacles that we've had to um, endure um, over the years and how the colonial structure, uh, when you think about the history of the continent, of African continent, is such a small time in history uh, based on all the things that we've, um, as, a, as, a, as, a, um, as, a, as a race, has uh, contributed to the luxury of the world. Um, not only just uh, um, the things that, you know, um, that we know from TV and tragedy. And I think, you know, the fact that we know more tragedy is only a, um, a distraction between the strength of knowing the successes. Mm. So for me, as an artist, I'm really interested in talking about the things that um, we participate in, mm -hmm. you know, and like black leisure. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a radical um, idea to think about that when you look at some of the most important uh, leaders of our history, um, you never see pictures of them with their family on a beach, mm -hmm. but you know they were on a beach. Mm -hmm. You can't be a revolutionary without taking breaks. <laughs> um, and that's things that we need to show. We need to show people that, you know, we can relax and we can have time with our family. That's what makes us human. Um, um, being reactionary to things that are around us is only a small percentage of who we are. Uh, we, have, we would not be able to survive if we did not have leisure, if we did not have self-reflection. Um, and I think issues like that and knowing like Patrick Kelly, who was a very important uh, figure in history, you know, the, the fashion design version of Basquiat. Um, most people don't know who he, he is, but a lot of designers incorporate his ideas into their work today. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm more interested and determined to shed light on those parts of uh, American culture and, you know, and world culture, because I think that's what um, we're missing. And, um, and for me, that excites me when I'm in my studio, uh, thinking that I'm, I'm making people aware of things that were not in the light. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, I, and I would like to see more of that. I would love to see more of that in the future. And I, I think we are seeing a lot more with a lot of younger artists. Mm -hmm. And even this particular fair in itself is a really great start of mm -hmm. exposing people to not only the commercial relevance of, of the culture, mm -hmm but to the significance of educating people about the kinship of the culture. Mm -hmm. Because you can see a lot of overlap and narrative um, with the artists in this fair and contemporary um, black artists internationally from Brazil, mm -hmm. from everywhere, you're starting mm -hmm. to see a lot of conversations that are overlapping mm -hmm. because we have similar stories mm -hmm. and we have similar um, expectations for where we wanna be and who we want people to know, what we want people to know about us. So that's my drive, um, and, and I'm happy to be a part of this, um, this fair for that reason. Mm -hmm. Tell her, Lala, do you want to? 
tell us your experience uh, being, of course, part of sort of most recent generation and having sort of grown up under different circumstances, different cues of power now, and what this new dynamic of uh, like you know resurgence and like asserting one's identity forcefully means to your work. Well, um, I guess I, fo I follow a lot of the, um, I guess I follow a lot of black like imagery blogs and stuff online. I think a lot of people now think about how they interact with the internet. There's a lot of um, ways now for black people to tell more of their own stories outside of like mainstream media. Mm -hmm. So if it's, say, if it was me, Tumblr or Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, you see a lot of um, different venues for people to kind of produce their own um, their own imagery, have a platform for it, and also get feedback from like various communities. But what's also interesting too about those kind of, um, I guess, those kind of social media platforms is that people um, share a like a variety of different kind of information on those things. So, in one instance, you might get a news story that pertains to the black body. You might get um, some kind of pro-black positive imagery that pertains to the black body. You might also be interacting with like images from people in your personal life, like, you know, like indiv individuals that you know personally or family members too. So you kind of think about how your mind is consuming all those images at once and how everything's kind of equated all at once. Um, I think it kind of creates a certain kind of patchwork in your, in your mind and your visual landscape. That, and that kind of patchwork, I think, makes collage an even more relevant way of working like right now, right in this moment. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, um, a Facebook feed or Instagram feed or basically this like constantly being flooded with all these different images, back to back, images that have, that don't necessarily always have anything to do with one another, but are all presenting to you at the same moment. Um, so I feel like because I do spend so much time in like, interacting with that kind of visual language, I feel like it has um, affected my practice, and also affected the way that I digest images and digest mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. um, so some, in some ways I think that I think mostly it's been productive, in some ways it's been challenging because it is so much information. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've been thinking about that a, a, a lot going forward. Mm -hmm. so. Great. I want to come back to that. So really, we still have to talk about the new media mm -hmm. angle. But Marcia, I wanted you to tell us a little bit um, about your journey with this like new radicality, but mm. specifically in relation to the dimension of hip hop. Because that <laughs> has been its own exquisite art in mm -hmm. terms of like the kernel of like a community mm -hmm. that is now a world, uh, like yeah. a, a global force. You know, in 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 terms of rap, um, I um, it was during um, my Smithsonian Artist Residency when I was looking for information for a new body of work. Then I was um, researching at the Cooper Hewitt here in New York, and um, I was staying somewhere in um, Brooklyn. So I'll come into uh, the city, work, and then go back home. And then one day I got lost in the subway. I <laughs> uh, and, um, for, for some reason, I just wasn't too worried about where I would end up. I just figured it's all connected on the ground. Somehow, I'll find my way back home. And I didn't have anything to do, so I just went on. And um, 
when I, um, when I just decided to stop, I, there was a stop, I just came out and um, looked, it was uh, on the platform and I, I could look down. When I looked down, I saw black bodies. Like, though I've lived in Atlanta before, of course I'm from Nigeria. <laughs> But I think this was the first time that I actually had that kind of experience of looking. And maybe because, because I was at a certain place um, in terms of my investigation or in terms of my questioning, that I was open. All of a sudden, I saw gestures I could recognize. I saw the body move in a way that I could recognize. I saw a swagger. I saw the, the way of greeting that was... And to me, it just felt like a part of the continent really was just right there in front of me. I could understand it was, they were moving, but I could understand. They were talking, but I could understand. And it was at that point that I felt this connection and immediately saw myself in my parents' living room dancing to salt and pepper and <laughs> wanting, you know, to be like MC Light. But it was these um, kinds of um, the, 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 the way that the body moved during um, the early um, years of hip hop, the way that it was almost like a radical kind of thing. It was um, 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 kind of defiant. It was just a way of speaking about this place where they were and there was this discontent and it was like a voice. It was the way of giving voice to this, you know, cause. But then you think about the way that it's delivered. You think about the call and the response. Mm -hmm. You think about poetry. You think about just the way that that whole vocabulary is created, and you can't just help but think about home. And for me, that was the connection, that was my entry point. Yes, I was um, introduced to uh, hip hop through um, tapes and um, videos and things like that, but then this was for me, I, I felt it was it, it just felt so visceral, and, uh, and I, I knew at that point that I had found this um, connection, this um, um, language that I could use, that I could explore some more. The um, body for me, in terms of like um, movement or in terms of uh, migrating from place to place um, and speaking to this um, tension or this uh, kind of disagreement and agreement at the same time has kind of evolved in, in, in a way that I handle material in the studio, the way that I see body, the way that I see how the, the body relates to cloth, 
the way that both of them merge together to create this way of twisting um, textile or, 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 or material to hold, like I said, a memory, a trauma, a kind of remembrance, mm -hmm. and then stitching them back together again to create this new way of um, engaging with the body. But the body for me is breaking down. It's becoming more segmented. It's becoming um, pieces. It's becoming more abstracted. Um, because I think as it's breaking down now, as, as it's becoming more like an open-ended space, I can engage with so many ideas and so many um, new um, imagery or material in my work. I was really excited when I heard about the um, opening of um, access to new um, images by museums mm -hmm. for you to, um, through, I think it was Creative Commons, that has a de database now where you can go and use mm -hmm. materials from their collection in your work in history of copyright. So, so. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, I have a couple more questions, but I think I'm going to jump right into um, a question that I would want to have the answer <laughs> definitively for. Um, so I was reading something the other day. It was this really interesting quote in the Times, and they were talking about the future of identity. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, they use like a little video collage, a fun video collage, to accompany it. Um, mm -hmm. And they asked people to describe what this future might look like. And one guy said, "Once we fully map out the brain and create technology for transplanting mental states to other minds or even objects, self-identity and physical identity will be busted open." So given that, um, you know, let me think about innovations in like AI, right? And how that will indeed dismantle the notion of identity and perhaps usher in new hierarchical orders and prejudices between man and machine that are wholly unthinkable at this stage and date. Um, I mean, are you guys even thinking about these kinds of futures <laughs> at all? Being aware of what they might look like, the artist's role in like uh, framing up identity, will that construct even exist? And certainly black identity under those circumstances. While I think about that, I do want to ask you about the sort of high and low in media in general when you are like trying to imagine the now versus the future. What are you looking at? What comprises the high-low experience for you? What are the most potent, like, opposing forces like high-low popular culture and contemporary culture and then spinning into the future possibilities for me. Um, I mean, for me, I always think about technology with the way information is distributed. And when you think about a, like a, a medium like collage, which is basically like a data mining structure, where you're basically probing the viewer by including images that may or may not be attached to the way that they perceive the body or environment or culture and all those different things. So it's, I, I, it has a certain kind of liberation more than any other uh, medium where you 
um, you juxtapose images. You also uh, insert color, which is also another theoretical structure. Um, scale is also a very important part of um, speaking um, through collage um, in a certain level of intimacy or it has a language that's already been reinforced through media and through technology with the, um, the, uh, the filtering of images online and different things like that. So it's very difficult for you to not look at collage today and not think about social media and images that kind of resonate within social media and even collage as a medium um, really um, holds up really well through social media because it's a lot of the imagery that most artists use with collage are taken from advertising imagery, images and those images are images of, if they're figures, they're figures who are aware that they're being photographed. So they have a certain level of connectivity with desire so the even the eye, mo, even the eye, uh, using the eye from a from a magazine, from a person who's modeling, um, is aware of themselves being shot. Mm -hmm. So that translation of information with just the gaze of the eye of the person that you're taking is part of a digital feed of awareness. Wow. And the images and the collages are usually um, of figures and objects that are very self-aware. Mm -hmm. You know, in the construct in which they were first initially um, created was to inform people, you know, or they were used to share or communicate. So just imagine the collapse of distance like a digital feed where everything is just funneled in through one system of all these different things that were used to occupy a totally different space now occupying one space um, with hundreds of images or 10 or 20 or five or whatever. So I think that more so with this type of execution in fine art, collage has the ability to really entertain um, a, like a computerized structure, you know, and also a system that is uh, about, you know, because now there are people who are just doing collage just with Photoshop online without actually having an actual ending product. Mm -hmm. You can do it just by creating a grid format with, um, with applications, on, you know, apps on your phone. So it's, it's definitely, um, a way of communicating um, various cultures, ver various points of views, but also as a way of really um, um, probing the viewer to see what they respond to. Because you can also notice those two, those things as well as you're making work and understand like every, now basically everything we do is, is collage based. We are, we exist in a collage state of mind. Like our existence <laughs> is a bunch of, we're, we're just a collage. I mean, the people, like, we're walking around with, like, everything we have on from the material we, we wear to the patterns that we wear. I mean, people are so, most people are not aware of the symbolism that they're carrying with them, you know? And I think that, um, for me, it makes, it makes me more aware of what that even means to carry around symbolism from just my, my practice in my studio and looking, out, looking at how that mirrors reality. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're definitely pushing um, towards that um, place. And I think that collage is definitely a good, a good material for most artists who want to talk about these things um, in contemporary art. Because, you know, it's a, it's a very accessible material to talk about all those different things. 
ladies, uh, like literally one minute each, because then we have to <laughs> open up the floor. Sorry about that. Could you tell us uh, like, uh, how you're imagining this future, like identity, collage, realities, like, you know, we're walking in a collage. What does the future look like? What does the next phase look like? Well, I feel like, um, I guess as people, if people are going to keep moving towards this reality where there's more, you have more and more ability to kind of curate yourself almost. So mm -hmm. you're going to, sh you have the ability to show what you want others to know about you and guess maybe pick and choose and kind of build an identity of your, everyone will be able to build their own identity as to who they want to be. And I guess this kind of goes, this kind of relates to kind of like a, a wall hauling idea of like maybe like a 15 minutes of fame or mm -hmm. the people having every person being their own ad for themselves. And I think like as that moves towards our artificial reality and um, how that how artificial reality, I'm assuming those would be tools or robots, something how that might affect how that relates to commercial consumerism or capitalism. Um, I think you're going to see maybe more of a like maybe more in the future would be more phenomena people picking and choosing their their identities more to be more fluidity within identity. So that can take any number of directions. It could be one in which it's something that's positive. People have more freedom to escape, I guess, restrictions that were placed on them in the past, but it could be something that's a little bit more dystopic and like kind of more of like a Rachel Dolezal type situation or a black no more scenario. But I guess only time with the tell, those kind of things. Mm. Thank you. Marcia, do you have any thoughts quickly before we open the floor? Yeah, for me, um, I just think, of course, because of the internet and the new media, they're just it's incredible, you know, what's happening. And in terms of uh, uh, the materials available to you and um, what you can actually do with, um, with these materials. The robot I have right now in my studio is my sewing machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I can say about, about the future of robots. We're gonna open up the floor. A couple questions, Hello, my name is Jason Wallace. Hello. Hello, my name is Jason Wallace, and I just wanted to talk about uh, the evolution of you guys' process mm -hmm. in regards to the flat ontology, like in regards of how we view objects and the energy of ob objects and how they influence us. So the flat ontology, like us as humans think that we're choosing things, mm -hmm. whereas the flat ontology gives power to the object to choose mm -hmm. the person mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would like to hear from you guys is how that conversation has evolved over your careers. Uh, for me, really, is. Um when you are, for example, creating a collage or even a drawing or a work of art, there is a conversation that takes place. You want to force the work into a certain place and the work doesn't want to go there. You want to introduce a new piece into this whole dynamic and the piece would not want to go there. So in that sense, there is, it's a constant, it's a back and forth really. The, the object chooses you and the, you choose the object and there has to be some kind of agreement for the piece to work. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's more about um, 
necessity and purpose. And so a lot of things that I use in my work are really based on just my, what I'm trying to communicate and what is accessible to me at the time. And I, I would love to, um, to believe that things are choosing me too. I mean, that's a great, uh, that's a great concept. I mean, and I, I'm sure it's some, some significance to that because, you know, I try to, I'm really a strong advocate of getting things in my reach, like supply-wise. I'm really about getting things in my neighborhood, things that are close to me, things that uh, I can walk towards if I had to get go there, or just things that um, I can talk about without ha having to research it. You know, like if I'm getting material, I like to talk about the guy I bought the material from more so than um, how many threads are in the fabric. Um, so for me, I, I, I like the exchange of all those things and I also like going back to some of the places I go to and like showing them uh, what I made from it. You know, because that's one thing that I enjoy when I go to the fabric shop and I come back and, uh, and I show the guy in the fabric store like what I made. And he's like, what, you made that from this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, that's what I do, you know. So I, I think that it's definitely an um, a interesting um, concept to think about um, material and, and connections to um, history and meaning. And, you know, I think it's definitely a space for uh, thinking about uh, mater material choice and material use. And, and I believe that things find me, uh, I would hope to say, you know, hope to believe that um, there's a purpose for everything that I'm using and a, um, a reason for the choices that come out of um, looking at things and meeting people and, and uh, being observant to people around me um, as a kind of a, a, um, a force of bringing things in and out um, of my life and out of my studio. I've actually never heard of that concept before, but I feel like that I've maybe experienced that more so with certain, when I wanted to make a certain kind of work, I realized that whatever medium I was working in would no longer be relevant. So I can, I feel like at certain times, for certain pieces, I've had to make um, shifts in terms of medium. Like for some works, I had to move towards animation or more towards more of like a sculptural gesture or return back to like a work on paper. And I feel like in that regard, I feel like the materials have kind of directed me. Um, but yeah. Questions from the floor? Hi, my name's Hugh. Uh, thank you for that wonderful discussion and dialogue. I was curious on the uh, sort of the conversation around the digital technology and the evolution of, of your artwork. Uh, how do you then reinforce um, the visceral objects that you're recreating and their importance in sort of this evolving like technology? How, how do you feel in the end, your your like physical artwork is still important more than a digital experience. Great question. You mean like from uh, like as in viewing the image or the experience of the viewer with the image digitally versus being in in, in person with the object, or are you talking about digital as in the output of the object? Uh, more in like a human like human experience and sort of working with collage. All these these objects tend yeah. to have a physical presence and is yeah. it is there is there a greater importance and sort of being and actually experience it experience it as a human being in, pr in front of it or its life as an image is there 
Well, well like I was saying before, I think that collage and artists who kind of look at images to use in collage, you know, constantly looking through references images all the time and are aware of the different types of um, uh, like out, visual output from the, you know, because the photographer took the image. The photographer took the, most images that we use in collage, they've been taken by someone else who's usually a professional photographer and things have been staged and it's probably to sell a product or to promote something. So even using that as an ingredient in a collage with the idea of including paint or whatever, um, definitely uh, uh, connects to a certain type of existential experience for the viewer um, and more so digitally because um, when you think about the idea of a digital uh, uh, um, presentation, it has, again, like a backlit image, you know, and it's very different than the image that you see. And even people, and, and for the generation who grew up looking at the computer, your red is different than the red that I grew up with, even though we're looking at the same red, because your red is a backlit red. So you have a different perception of red, very different than my perception of red because of that one little thing because the red that you, you grew up looking at from a kid had a light behind it. So it illuminates in a different way than my seeing a red in a book or a piece of paper with the color red. So it's, it sometimes helps to amplify the existentialness of the work when it's illuminated within a digital feed because it creates a certain type of, of uh, um, enchanted image um, because uh, it adds, it's like another layer. It's like another layer. The digital, the digital uh, output puts another layer of importance onto the image um, that you can put, you can have looking at it physically. You know, physically, it's just like seeing, you know, when you see someone online versus seeing them in person, they look very different. You know, some people became, some people become more popular online because of illumination um, than in person. So, um, I mean, it's true, you know. So, um, so it's very important. Digital media is very important. I think it's extremely important for a lot of artists and primarily artists of the African diaspora who didn't until recently have gallery representation and representation from the museum um, institute, institutions because they had an Instagram page. And we know, and institutions know them because of that Instagram page. I'm communicating with artists in Brazil um, who I met through Instagram, and, um, and I know that work from Instagram. And for me, it's definitely created a community that um, is much, to me, much more related to the way that I've always been taught to communicate with people based on visual culture uh, and visual um, symbolism and iconography. And so I think that the digital media and di digital output for artists in general is a really interesting way to think about the future and the future of, can, uh, of having more power um, as a visual person to present your, the way you want to see your work to be seen and people to see your work in an even a more glamorous, you know, like digital media basically and digital output is like putting a gold frame on something, <laughs> you know? It's like putting a Baroque frame on your image because illumination creates this idea of relevance and, and it's also a question of what the artists think. Some artists think like, should I post my own work? Should I not post my own work? Is it obnoxious to post my own work? I mean, it's like a whole thing around like what digital media in a way that people are resistant to even um, participate in it. So um, 
just that alone has its own politics. But I definitely think that for the artists who want to share their ideas more than control um, that, the idea of uh, self-promotion, um, it's a powerful tool. And it's a tool that has, has elevated a lot of people's careers, including myself, um, because you have more access to your audience. And it's an audience who you may not necessarily meet in person. So I definitely think that it's a great um, uh, extension of the creative practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other questions from the floor? 